Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for April 24th of 2019. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Welsh from HockeyHits.com. A lot to cover on this week's podcast. Uh, we have the final four of top seeds pick their opponents. Um, we will lead off that uh, with who won the second round matchups. Uh, then I guess it's my turn, so I guess I get to pick uh, the top opponent, which kind of leaves you dry <laughs> with only four teams. But um, uh, we have to officially close out the Pittsburgh Penguins season. Ended in a sweep against the New York Islanders. It seems like old news. Kind of is, but that's just the way our schedule worked. It feels like an eternity ago. Many news cycles since then, but uh, still worthy to talk about, and we we still have some things uh, to get off our chest about that. We have um, Toronto losing another Game 7. Might have some coaching thoughts there. No shocker to the listeners. And... um, Wow, what a game seven out west with Vegas and San Jose. Uh, very controversial penalty and crazy, crazy power play for the San Jose Sharks. So that's what we will attempt to cover. We are going to start with the final four. And let me go through the matchups from last week. We had Tampa Bay and San Jose. That was our one seed. And you guys. At 67% have chosen Tampa Bay. So the one seed stays alive. Not in real life, but going pretty <laughs> far um, in our fake contest here. The two seed, or was it the two? Two or three. Calgary uh, picked Pittsburgh, and yep. they picked well. You guys had Calgary beating the Penguins 67% to 33%. That uh, feels right as well. Feel, yeah. The voting was during the Islander series, so... Um, well, there you go. <laughs> uh, the third matchup, Boston and Nashville. Boston will win 66 to 34%. And the last matchup, the 16th seed, Vegas over Winnipeg, 80 to 20. Wow. So, yeah. Vegas is a very popular with um, our listeners, and I can't really blame them. And look at that. Vegas uh, goes on and San Jose loses in ours <laughs> a night after. So um, I get to play the role as Tampa Bay. They are the, the one seed. They are still alive in this exercise. So I have a choice between Calgary, Boston, or Vegas. And I'm going to go with the 2004 Stanley Cup final Tampa Bay and Calgary um, I know Mike Smith played okay but I'm I'm gonna take my chances there I'm sure shit not picking Vegas no 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 and I wouldn't be yeah going to Boston either um yeah that makes that makes sense I I can't really argue the um, the call there. It, it is funny how every time we've gone through this entire little game of ours, we've all gone, which of the which goaltender is more likely to survive? Well, a lot of these teams are, you know, good. talented. They're good. So, um, I, and it helps in hindsight. Co- Colorado 
being an up-tempo team with a really solid first line rolling over the Flames for the most part. And Tampa Bay fits that description to a T. Yeah. Like, they're, yeah. they can rock and roll with the best of them, obviously. Not in round one this year, but, you know, their no. larger sample, I, I think they had a bad week and a half, and I still think highly of their team, so... Um, I think I think Tampa in Calgary uh, it would favor Tampa I would assume and stylistically I think it would favor Tampa as opposed to Boston who you know Bergeron can give you fits and pass yeah. Pasternak and you know Boston just beat a, a very good Toronto team. And Tuka Rask is really good. I, at least I think he's really good, so I wouldn't want any part of that. And Zidane Char apparently, I don't know what kind of settings he's got, but he's got the penalties turned off. Because <laughs> that guy can do whatever the hell he wants. I'm not even talking about like the punch, that, the, the punch to Tavares, which should have been called, but he's got that. I've been in the league forever. You're not calling shit on me. I'm big, I'm going to hold, I'm going to interfere, and there's nothing you're going to do about it. So, while I think Char's lost a huge step... That doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, he, he's allowed to get away with a lot, and he has a long reach. So, that makes it really tough to, to navigate around him. And um, then you got Boston versus Vegas. That should be a good one. Uh, it it would be it. That's a contrasting style. Like I've watched, I watched Game Six and Game Seven of the Vegas series in full, and their top two lines are like I don't even class them as you know how everyone usually goes oh it's a one A one B they're just one A and one A their top two lines. So Boston have the Bergeron line to try and shut one of them down, um, and obviously be aggressive as well which could be problematic for Vegas, but their top two lines are just, they're magical. Like this is, you, you see these guys in a high pressure situation and they just, they just try to create every single time. They never back off. And it's, it's so much fun to watch them play. Yeah. The getting Mark Stone was awesome. What a, and he played great for them. Yeah. I have no idea how much they're going to pay him, but... They already did. Oh, did they already sign that guy? Oh, they did too. I tried. It was on the cheap. It wasn't bad. I think it was... Uh, gosh, it was so long ago. I know. That's what threw me. I'm going to try and be accurate here and look it up. Quickly. It is 9.5 mil. Hey, he's up for the Selkie. He's awesome offensively. I mean, what are you going to do? You traded for him, you got cap space, boom. That's yeah. that's a worthy trade and a worthy compensation for a player that is, quite frankly, a huge difference maker in a positive way for that team. They were the better team over San Jose. Um, and kind of got a raw raw deal. I guess we can segue right into that. Um, yeah, that for as... For Tepid is the NHL is about handing out major penalties. Wow, that in that spot, 
That that was rough. I I watched the the um, Toronto Boston game seven, and they called nothing. Yeah, that was entire... frustrating. That was really yep. So they called nothing. They called nothing in that. You watch the Vegas game, and because I'm packing my house with my wife, she's sort of been watching it in and out while it's sort of going on. And she's like, "Why is this Vegas game so different to the other one?" And she's like, "They're actually calling penalties in this." And it made for better hockey, which was great. But then in the third period, they kind of put the whistles away and let them do whatever they want. And then they make up a call. Like, neither official had their arm up. There's actually a really good camera shot of... of um, was, it, was it Couture? Yeah, it was. It was. No, it wasn't. It was Pavelski. When Pavelski hits the ice, neither official puts their arm up. And the only so they called the result, not what actually made it happen, and it just that drives me nuts. Yeah, that's as a co- when I'm coaching, I have a huge problem with refing the result delayed, and not the actual act. It it's infuriating. And, and for a league that that constantly sits there and says, "Oh, we don't want the officials to determine the result." A five-minute major at that point in the game, if a team's ever going to come back, that's how you allow that to happen. Now, Vegas had a meltdown. Um, and, you know, I don't really blame Fleury on any of the goals except for the fourth. Oh, Jesus he was, Christ. <laughs> he, that was, <laughs> he was, like, way off his angle. That yeah, was he was a mess. He um, was a complete mess. But all the others that he got scored on, I, you, you sit there and go, uh, what are you Third one, not do? great. Uh, Slap shot. I, don't know. I mean, after you give up two, you gotta you gotta make a play. No, no, I get that, I, I, and, and you do sit there and, and, and go with that. Because that one they was were a rebel. True, but they the other were two rebel. were difficult, very difficult. Like the whole the whole context of that game changed, and the fact that they managed to tie it is a testament to how good that team is. Um, I liked how they tied it. Did you notice what yeah. they did? Yeah, they went six forwards on the ice. They yeah, that's it. awesome. Yeah, compare it to what Babcock did when the season's on the line. Like, it's just nuts. He was so, in a lab it, trying to clone Hainsey. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, so, yeah, I just... I Those two officials should not go to the next round. That kind of decision is that big a deal that they shouldn't be doing any more games the rest of the way. Because they made up the call. What was the actual call? Was it for high sticking? Because stick definitely didn't get him in the face. Okay, so you cross-checked him in the chest, and cross-checking hadn't been called all game. It's never called. It's the most obvious penalty in the sport that's never called. Uh... So the NHL have come out with, with, you know, why the thing got called. And, you know, because it was a... The result of what happened, he hit his head on the ice, so the actual act didn't make him bleed. He hit his head on the ice because he lost his lost his balance on his skates. And I don't even and think it was with malice. No, it wasn't. It was literally pushing you back. That, it just there are so many things there that you look at and go, "Oh my god, this league just shoots itself in the foot at times." And we've got no recourse to actually do what the NBA does, which is have the the head of officiating actually sit down and have a face-to-face interview about what's going on in the round. Oh, nobody in the NHL front office is accountable. I mean, we've known that for 
forever. I know, but it just this just highlights the lack of accountability there. That's all. So you know, disappointing for Vegas. I I think they they will feel robbed, and it was good to see Marsha so uh, sell everyone that, which is which is good to see. Um, you yeah, should they be should angry. be frustrated. I think it should be sixty forty though. They should own sixty of that. I mean. You gave up a three-goal lead. You you know how to kill penalties. Correct, and, and that's the thing. Like they had a meltdown, but you had to be put into that position to have the meltdown by a really really bad call. And um, it is funny. I was watching the Sharks coverage, and they never once went back to the penalty. Never once looked <laughs> at what it was because the guys in the truck obviously looked at it and went, "We're not putting that back up." Like it was. <laughs> Perfectly clear. Yeah, and from from what I was reading a little bit, or, or and consuming throughout the day today, some of uh, apparently they uh, didn't go with Belmore, Belmar last night, and yeah, I thought I was seeing that he's he, he had been. Uh, who knows how true this is? <laughs> he was one of their better penalty killers. I don't know if that's just a fourth line. Hey, he did it for us thing. But they did dress Ryan Reeves, who took a penalty taking out Martin Jones. Uh, probably could have used Belmore's legs a little more than Ryan Reeves in a Game 7. Well, they also lost Cody Aiken, who is one of their better penalty killers. Like, that's, well, that's yeah, the other, the other thing penalty. within it. It's just like, good God. So, everything that could go wrong in that situation to... Like, this is the thing that I, I find hilarious, is that, say, San Jose go all the way through and win it. That's going to be the pivotal thing that they have in their 2019 Stanley Cup. We won the Stanley Cup video, right? That moment there. And they have a good path now. Yeah. Do you think they're going to show that penalty and how it happened? Like they'll you... reference the they'll reference it, but I don't know if the it'll so, get down so, the old DVD there. Yeah. So if that's the case, then it shows you how egregious an error it was. That's probably where I stand with it. But yeah, you're right. The path is the path is good for anybody that came out of that series. They were going to feel good about. Oh, with what's Colorado going on. winning, yeah. And no, no yeah. offense to like Nate McKinnon's a badass. He's going to be a for anybody. And with Martin <laughs> Jones. Oh God. Like Nate McKinnon went off with Mike Smith playing okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. It yeah, wasn't yeah. a classic what we thought was going to happen with Mike Smith. He wasn't great, but he, you know, he didn't. It wasn't the reason the Flames lost. And, well, I'll say this. Martin Jones outplayed Flurry in game six and had to. Yeah. Yep. And, I mean. Because Vegas know, can... kicked their ass in game six. It was it was funny. When you, you watched game six, they had a couple of chances earlier that they pushed wide that would have had them up 2-0. Um, and they probably would have felt pretty good but they missed him in game seven they got him early and they were in control but martin jones got locked in finally some crazy sequences uh, in that yeah like you know he got locked in and and got some of the bounces that weren't going his way early so you know it's it's weird watching it's weird watching eric carlson not be able to turn and skate they got really bad luck with that. Like, that he, he is so he not healthy. <laughs> Still really good. Still yeah, on the power but... play for a lot of goals. But, uh, yeah. 
you know, I'll be curious to see what they want to do with him next year. Well, he's a free agent. Correct. That's what I mean. And say they don't win it all this year. Say they win it all this year. Oh, that makes it easier. Correct. But if they don't win it all this year, you know, there are some tough decisions to, to make there. Yeah, absolutely. That the, He'll be an interesting one to track. I wonder wonder what Tampa has up their sleeve. I know they liked him a lot. They've got a lot of money issues. Maybe if they can pawn off JT Miller and figure out a... <laughs> I don't know how to get rid of Callahan, but something like that. Yeah. You just it's it's really funny because we'll get to Pittsburgh, but when you watch, when you see players like this become available, it makes some of their other decisions so frustrating. Because you lose their bottom pairing defenseman, and you've got seven and a bit mil that you could spend on something like this, and just pray that he wants to go and win for a couple of years. You have to sign him for eight years. Yeah, I think he's going to take his money. <laughs> Any oh, yeah, no, no. yeah, I fully understand that, but yeah, it's just nuts. So, last thing before we uh, hit up the Penguins is um, the Leafs. My Leafs. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, unfortunately lost by quite a bit. <laughs> and the best coach in the world doesn't know how to manage his bench or really do much of anything, in my opinion. I thought he just did a horrendous job. You pay a guy $50 million for for these high-leverage situations, and what a complete failure for his players. He failed them miserably. He sucks. Yep. No, um, somebody sent through a, a good graphic, actually, on how many he's lost. And With the lead, like, right? Is that the one that you're referencing? <clears throat> no, just how many um, how many rounds he's been in and out of. Where is it? I, since they um, won, since they lost to Pittsburgh, they haven't got out of the second round any of his teams. Okay, so, so I, well, I have mine uh, that I wrote. Well, I didn't write a Penguins article today. I kind of called out Mr. Babcock. Uh, He's been NHL coach for 14 years, and now in nine of those seasons, he's failed to make it out past the first round. This is the sixth consecutive year he's failed to win a playoff round. He has one playoff round victory since 2012, and none since 2014, and he has a 3-7 and seven record in Game 7s. Yeah, it's not great, Bob. He, um... His reputation is not earned. Now, does Dubis have the balls to get rid of him? Not yet, but he will. But then you're burning another year of Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Kapanen. Like, yeesh. I, I, they, they got Sheldon Keefe down there. They're paying him big money. I think he's the, the guy they, they would want next. Yep, um, that makes sense. It's Dubas is higher. You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah, this guy isn't his guy. Is... This is not his guy. That's the thing with Babcock. 
And the thing with Babcock is he's already been petty through the media. Say with, like, he's already criticized the roster construction. And, you know, he's one of the few coaches that has a say in the roster the way he does. So yeah. criticizing the roster construction when, you know, you're the one that wanted Marlowe's corpse, you're the one that tied Ron Hainsey to a Norris caliber defenseman all year long. Oh, that was so painful to watch. You just, the puck goes back to his stick when they're in the offensive zone and it just dies. And and, and, and the problem being, you know, he's with Riley, which means he's with, you know, the guys that are really good and they needed goals and they were really struggling to push. And I know um, everybody loves plus minus with Jake Gardner. Um, the first, <laughs> the first minus that he earned that night was Dermot, Dermot's turnover that had nothing to do with Gardner. Now the second one, he thought he had a reverse and he he did screw that up, um, and you know that deserves criticism. But I am not a big believer of abandoning that kind of player because of that of the one sequence. He's still one of your best guys to push the play forward and create, and you need goals. Well, and he's capable of making up for the error. <laughs> you you have four defensemen on Toronto that, you know, have puck skills. you got Riley, Gardner, Muzzin, and Dermott. And down the stretch, those should have been the guys that he really leaned on uh, to make that happen. You know, and maybe put Gardner with Muzzin and then put Dermot with Riley. I mean, the, if Ron Hainsey yeah. can look serviceable, I'm sure Dermot could with, <laughs> with Riley. And geez, just how many, and I'm going to talk about Tyler Ennis a little bit later for um, the penguin section. So this isn't a, yeah. a knock on him, but he's playing his fourth line deep into the third period. He's not shuffling Nylander up with Matthews. You know what I mean? It's like you got Ennis playing well. Bump him up to 3C and ride the horses and load the fuck up. Why is this so difficult? Best coach in the world. Because he doesn't have four first liners. He doesn't have, you know, 12 first liners playing in a 12-man lineup. It's not Canada. Like, you can't just roll your lines out and say everybody gets... 15 or, minutes or those red teams that totally <clears throat> underachieve. Well, not the player. The players, <laughs> some of those Red Wings team. Like, his reputation is built on the backs of elite players that don't yeah. really need coaching. No. <clears throat> and he's always made sure he's got into good spots. Like, it's smart decision-making with what he's done in regards to his career. But... Um... I legitimately think Dubas needs to theoretically overreact and give him the ass. Now. Do it now. I don't think it's an overreaction. I don't think they're combat- compatible together. No, I agree. I just, I look at it and I go, you and I don't think it's an overreaction, but how many people will say that it is? Man, because the 200 of... hockey men on steroids, if if the dweeb with yeah. the glasses and his stupid <laughs> stat sheets fired the world's best coach in Toronto. Yeah. And that's kind of my point. Like, and no, I, do I not think, think they... that about uh, Mr. Dubas. That was just the hockey men speaking. 
That's but that's what I think they need to do. I think Dubas needs to double down and tell the players, yeah, I believe in you. I don't think this coach is getting the most out of what your talents are. I'm going to give you Sheldon Keith because I think he's the guy that will get the most out of you. Because quite clearly, Babcock isn't, particularly in high leverage situations. So, you and know, I would get a... He, he, yeah, that's he true. He doesn't own any of it. He doesn't think it's him. He'll never own it, like his shitty decisions. No, 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 no. Well, he, he got there and talked about the minutes, and he said, we thought we should be playing X, you know, these players X amount of minutes. And it's like, well, no, 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 no. It's not we. You did. You yeah, that sure made Austin that decision. Matthews would have been fine with another five minutes. Yeah, but, but it's like when something goes wrong, it's the collective decision. When it goes right, oh, I made that call. Like, listen to his language. Like, it's really important. And he's not taking responsibility for his decisions. And it, it kind of shows. Like, I, I really hope Dubas gives him the can. I, I doubt it'll happen. I think, it'll, I, think, I think it definitely will happen. It's yeah, just, I just want I it to happen now. This offseason. I... I really hope he does. But, you know, they've got spots on their roster that they can tweak. Like, they've got players that are, that are coming off the roster that that will help, um, but they really do need to to fix their... Well, they're similar to Pittsburgh, in that they can't get out of their zone sometimes because of the types of players they have. Yeah, Lamarillo... And, God, I'm good with Zaitsev uh, and, and Hainsey. But... You know, Zaitsev, guess who loved him? Mike Babcock. Yeah, no. Yeah. And yeah. Marlowe is still, that $6 million is so huge right now. Yep. He can't retire. You can't tell him to retire. It's not coming off the cap. Can he get a skin condition and go on IR? <laughs> IR would work. Sorry. Very cynical of me. I know, but... He's an over 35 contract. He can't just, you know. If the, yeah, he can't vanish. No. And, like, who. You know that's Babcock wanting Patrick Marlowe. And you give him three years, six mil a year, and you play him like it's 2005, 2006. Like. It's just such negligence. Yep. He failed those guys big time with how he ran that bench. And I saw people saying, well, Matthews played 18 minutes. That was right around his season average. Well, no shit, because it's an 82-game year, and you're not trying to burn the fucking guy out. But when it's do or die in the third period, maybe you double shift the motherfucker. Yeah. He's a superstar. Holy cow. That last period, really, it should have just been... Tavares, Matthews. Tavares, Matthews. Matthews. Tavares, Matthews. Well. You you just got to throw a little bit of a breather once in a blue moon. Yeah, but really, the two of them should have played over 10 minutes in that last period. Ah, that's tough. (laughs) No, no, I know, but they would have got a power play. You know, you make the assumption that they play a couple of minutes on the power play. That's the other problem. Why the hell has he not just got his five best players out there? And play the power play for the you know oh, he pulled 30. them after a minute jesus yeah, christ i know 
he loves this two unit bullshit because he Austin Matthews was on the second unit last year. If yep. I'm Austin Matthews, man, I am like fuck this guy. Honestly, uh, you know they keep saying that millennials are difficult to coach. Prove it. Like, ask him to ask him to go. Austin Matthews has a ton of leverage. He signed that five year deal, which gives him option. I love his career path with his choices. I know I've said that before, but yeah, he has that leverage like he's not stuck there eight years he could be like you know what you're gonna keep this guy around and he's gonna use me like this you make a choice i think i know which way dubis would go well i'm just saying like i you know austin matthews has not been treated like the superstar he is he's one of the league's best absolute goal scorers he'd be up there with um you know ovechkin's in his mid-30s, but he'd be up there with Ovechkin <laughs> if not for the missing of the games with, with the injury stuff. It's amazing we can still say that about Ovechkin. <laughs> yeah, he's crazy good. So, you know, the the Leafs got to figure out the Gardner situation. And they're probably, you know, chances are they might lose Gardner because of Marlowe. And that's not good for them. They need Gardner. They 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 need that kind of player. I was going to say everybody needs Gardner. If he goes to UFA, he's going to get paid. <laughs> like if they can't sort him out on some team friendly sort of a comeback, we want you sort of a deal, which he has every right to ignore. Um, he's going to get paid. Somebody is going to pay for it. And Toronto fans are going to be like, oh. Well, they. They do have that good, nice defenseman down on the Marley San, Rasmus Sandin, is it? Is yeah, right? I believe so. I think you've got that on the money there, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious about him moving forward. Had some good numbers with the Marlies. Uh, if they can move Zaitsev, that's four and a half mil. That really helps. Hainsey's off the books at three mil. You replace, you know, Hainsey with uh, the Rasmus Sandin on an ELC. And, you know, you might be able to, to scrape together uh, money for Gardner again. And yeah. uh, Morgan Riley came out last night. He, he, he was good. That out, was sad. Yeah. <clears throat> He's a great player and we want him through yep. an F word there, I think. But I, I don't have the quote in my head right now. No, so. but he did. He said he's a, he's a, I think he said he's a, Great effing player, we want him here, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that sounds about right. I think yeah. that's pretty much how he said it. <laughs> so, uh, well, Morgan, I agree with you. I happen to like Jake Gardner, and um, losing him would not be good for, for the program there. So, um, I don't know. I know we've beat up on Mike Babcock for a bit. Um, but, yeah. Another game seven loss against Boston, horribly managed uh, on the bench in game seven. Uh, he's had leads in series, and he's blown a lot of them. So, at some point for fifty mil and and having this reputation, when when does that buy you a series? And well, the answer is in the last you... six years it doesn't. It should have bought you this one. 
Yeah, Boston's very, very good, but it was there for Toronto. It's not like they were getting worked over. No, no. So, well, uh, this I'll say, the last thing about Toronto. Kadri fucked him. Yeah, that's not great. I think someone said he's played six out of the last 22 playoff games. Was, is that number right? That seems yeah. Really it sounds. I, I remember reading that as well. What do you what do you what do you do with him? Do you I keep trade him for something? No. You, no. you got to run three. If you're going to have a, a problem on D right now, you got to be strong up front. And he makes yeah. his contract is amazing for the caliber of player he is. He he's a very good player. And I think you just sit him down and say, listen, we don't need you to defend people. And two years in a row, you fucking did this. Let's, and look what happened. let's move yeah. on and let's, let's move forward and learn from it and continue to be the player you are because you help us a lot. Yeah. Absolutely. And it gives the flexibility to put Nylander with Matthews. Without it, Nylander goes down and he's I, playing with Connor I, Brown and Patrick Marlowe. Which I want crap. to try and understand why Nylander cops so much flack in the TV media in Canada. I don't get it. I, I don't... It. Come on, think about it. What is it? What happened? What? He freaking sat out and yep. said, pay me what I'm worth? Yep, yep. And to be honest, I have to admit, the one person that's big on this is Kiprios. He's the one that goes to town on him all the time. And I'm like, what more do you want him to do? He's playing with players that have dead hands. He gives them the puck and the play dies. Tanner Brown sucks. You know, it's just it, it's just baffling. So, And, yeah, Jesus Christ. Nope, Toronto will be a fun team for us to track over the summer. Another fun team for us to track over the summer is the one we talk about a lot. And that is the freshly swept Pittsburgh Penguins. You know what? If they had a general manager that I trusted a little more, the sweep might not be a bad thing. Because they might actually have a think about what they're doing directional-wise with the club. Well, they wouldn't have been swept if they had a, maybe a different general manager that you would trust a little bit more. They wouldn't yeah, have had those players. Yeah, it's a hand-in-glove kind of a situation. I get that. I, I understand that. But you do know what I mean, right? There are areas where this team can improve, and they can tinker with it and not do anything crazy and, and make it a better, better roster. I just don't know whether that's going to happen. Well, he's really done a number with the cap and some of the extensions he's handed out. Um, let's just go to the obvious quick and get it over with. Uh, the Johnson contract, very bad. Um, <laughs> it It's there. It's eating up not only money but a roster spot. They, they seem to think there's nothing wrong there. Uh, and he it destroyed their $5 million right-handed defenseman that, you know, did show he could be a very valuable piece to the team behind Letang um, with favorable matchups. And they didn't have that this year at all, and it was unfortunate because Justin Schultz has shown the potential to fit in quite well with this team, get the puck where it needs to go, uh, push the play, and create and this is a create 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 kind of team and 
that pairing was one of the worst pairings in the league, and they refused to break it up, and it was unfortunate to see. The other thing on top of that is um, Schultz was coming back from a leg, like a broken leg, and it was almost like they were fearful of of letting him loose. You know, they obviously thought Jack Johnson was a the Rob Scuderi, you know. Give him to Chris Letang and that'll settle Letang down and that'll make up for all the mistakes that Letang makes. Well, uh, Schultz just... Yeah, I don't know. I think he'll be fine next year, but if they pair him with Johnson again, he probably won't be. Like, and he, that's that's the last year of his contract as well. So if I was Schultz and I got tagged with him for the whole next 12 months I was playing, I'd leave. I think he likes it in Pittsburgh, but he also probably wants to get paid again. And um, although, well, he what kind of raise is he really expecting? If anything, he'd probably stay the same. If he took it and and got a Rutherford contract, he he got five point five for seven years. That would do him fine. Is somebody giving him that? Rutherford. Who's giving oh. Jack Johnson a five-year deal? Oh, I don't know. I think they'd blame Schultz before Johnson. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> it's a weird weird dichotomy going on <laughs> with the player evaluation with the, the GM there. But um So who do who do they move? They need to move a defenseman purely on cap space. Like purely to try and get faster back there. And it almost feels as though they're going to sell low on Marduk. They're not going to get rid of Good Branson or Johnson because they just acquired them. And I don't think anybody wants either of those two players. And if I was any other general manager in the league, for themselves, it's addition for the rest of the league by subtraction by not letting Pittsburgh improve back there by getting faster. So do not trade for any of them. Marduk could have value depending on the team put him with a good pairing or good partner and he'll fit in like we've said many times and yep you know it's it's a little bit frustrating because there are players on this roster that are now being talked about as trade pieces because they're not living up to their billing and they are players that i said get in front of and move them now i see where this is going and you know, all the shit I got to take because I'm not the one with the roses um, saying all the positive things all the time uh, in my coverage. And Ole Mata and Patrick Hornquist were the major two players that I said, listen, you know, there's signs here that maybe you want to get out of this and, and reap the benefits before the other teams figure it out. And right now, that's $9 million in cap space where... I, I think they could trade them, but before, not only would you shed the cap space, but you would get value in return. Yeah. Like, the Hornquist thing is so predictable. I just guess. look, just send him back to the Predators, because their power play is terrible. Well, I got some ideas here. So you just send him back to Nashville, and you just steal Roman Yossi. Nope, nope, I get Ryan it. Ryan Ellis. I know. Who, 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 who? Come on. All right, let's 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 do a little off-season fun. Saw a little tweet. 
from was it John Shannon of Sportsnet that uh, might be looking to move uh, Subban. You just can't fit him in. Oh, listen here. Listen here. Okay, come I on. A, I got a give two, it to me. Two part plan here. All right. Phil Kessel. I, I know I'm not a big. Um, I'm not huge on trading Phil. I still think he. Um, but that's you to the Penguins. That is you getting in front of it though. Like if you trade him now and he has another good year, that's fine. But what are you getting back in return? This is where it becomes important. All right, so Phil and Justin Schultz. Whoa. For Subban. Holy shit. All right, you're just going to do it straight up two for one. Got to clear the space, Schultz. Yep. You know, whatever. Phil, you're you're kind of shedding space, but you're you're getting a prime asset back. Yeah, something sorely lacking on the team, and a very tough to get um, position is right-handed, do-it-all defenseman. Yeah, and which, going the Tang Subban, off. you know that I'm and and it's a little pie in the sky here. Um, but if you were thinking about a fill trade and you're talking about trading with teams that need a win now piece, if Nashville's yeah. looking to shed that salary, I guarantee they wouldn't mind a, a high scoring winger and a, a, a placeholder like Schultz. So the And Schultz would be with a good partner. Yeah, 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 yeah. You'd get more out of him than what they, what Pittsburgh got out of him this particular season. I, I, no doubt about that. So you've lost, you've lost a key component to your offense. Where do you replace that? Because Subban can't replace everything that you lose with Kessel. No, so, but I, this trade's not happening right now. Oh, this trade is hinging on this moves. something. All right, give me the next one, because this is the other bit, isn't it? This is where it blows up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. This is why it's pie in the sky kind of bullshit. But, you know, my sometimes my brain gets going, and I um, try to connect some pieces. And um, So you got to – they're going to trade Olimata. So maybe you, you, you're able to shed another $4 million, uh, there. And I'm thinking – of keeping a close eye on the Sabres and given Jim Rutherford's Carolina ties, uh, Jeff Skinner, um, it would cost a bit, but if you can clear the space and um, do it that way, maybe right, get Hornquist so, off the books. Yeah, okay, so this is where it falls down. I get the point with the get the Skinner. Yeah, I know. How do you, I know how do you generate like. How do you generate the space? <sighs> that third pairing, def- that third pairing group, just burns so much cap space, doesn't it? Yeah, th- it fucks everything up. How is it that? How is it that? You know, we are who we are. We can see this, and yet the management above Rutherford are okay with this happening. Do you know what I mean? Like, they're, they're cornered right now because of the decisions he's made. And they've signed him on to a contract extension. So, it's... It hasn't even started yet. Yeah, correct. Yeah. So, so, you know, 
it's not like it's not like we've got the benefit of insider knowledge and stuff like that. And this just looks bad. I don't care if Johnson's great in the room. He's not great on the ice. <laughs> yeah, well, covered that. Yeah, it's, it's also it's the other thing with Fleury. Like, I love Fleury, and it's so much more fun for me to watch him when he's tending for Vegas because it's not the Penguins, and the Penguins are the team that I will follow for the rest of my life, right? But there comes a point in time where you go... Like, he's, I think he's now 7-9 and nine in Game 7s through his career. Like, that's worse than a, you know, 50-50 coin flip. It's something like that. He's, yeah. And his numbers his numbers are not bad in those games. Like, I think his goals against is below 2, and his save percentage is above 9.20. I think that... Oh, no, hang on. Actually, his save percentage might have been 9.13. So not particularly fantastic, but not terrible either. But he's, it's one of those things where at some point you have to bite the bullet and go, there's got to be a better option there. And they did, and, and they went with Murray, and that's turned out really well for them. So you just have to go, sorry, boys, you're not what we need. And Jack Johnson was self-inflicted, you know? Well, so was Good Branson. Yeah, 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 but that was a trade to move assets, right? This Jack Johnson one, no one else was competing with you for that contract. <laughs> I don't think anybody else was really competing for Good Branson. No, I know, I know. <laughs> and like you said, he's been... He's been better than expected coming into this roster, but his yeah, but skill set the, the still better don't than expected suit. was being a complete fucking pile of shit. Yeah, I know it was a low bar, but the point you made earlier in the year was even with him being better than expected and being above replacement, his skill set still don't suit what this team requires to get the most out of its upper echelon talent. We haven't even discussed the Evgeny Malkin quote that came out of the team trying to throw him under the bus yet i'm i'm and... still looking at wingers <laughs> to fit my oh, the, penguins have no, the penguins have no cap space it's ridiculous they've got nothing yeah what a pathetic state of affairs because there are some interesting names out here maybe uh marcus johansson comes in a little bit cheaper they can clear Mata's space, and I'm just trying to look here. Matt Zuccarello is an interesting name. The thing that I find interesting, though, is that with the way the way these playoffs have gone, like teams now that probably weren't thinking that they're like Colorado have, have been blessed with what what's come in, so they can really fill out the depth of their roster, but they're not pushed up against the cap, so they could go and try and pay. Matt a Duchesne. little bit more. <laughs> no well, <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like, they've got options Kevin to... Hayes would be a, a good second-line center option for a lot of people. Yeah. And, and, you know, a team like Colorado might jump all over that because, you know, they made the second round. They're quite rightfully going to sit there and go, we know we have got one dynamite line. We know we need to fill out some depth here. Looks like we've got a decent defender in, in Makar that's, that's going to come in and be cheap for us for a couple of years. Let's, you know, fill the roster They got, they got boned with the Ottawa pick. Yeah, I know, but they're still going to get a, a high-end pick. No, no, I know. Or they could even trade it. 
Yeah. Yep. 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 Depending, but um. Anyways, not to take away from where you were going, if you'd like to take away the Malkin quote. Uh, this isn't exactly what he said, but when you have something like this come out into the media to try to prove a point that not everything was happy in the Penguins locker room, you do sit there and go, that's probably not a comment I would use to say that Malkin's bad. When the coach goes, what's... Chad Ruweddle's supposed to do here when there's nobody there to pass to. Malkin's response to that was, he's in the NHL. He can skate it out. Now, and you just here's here's where I I need context. Holy cow! Like I don't care. I just love that he said it. I know. <laughs> and the context is necessary because one. I've been in these film sessions where you make a smart-ass comment just as a, a humor thing, like, uh, you could skate it out. And that doesn't always go over well, but, uh, <laughs> you know, you know, you, you play with players that have a sense of humor, and, and you get that kind of stuff uh, time to time. And, and that could have been... There's a, there's a lot of explanations for why, um, including non-favorable ones for Malkin. Where he was just kind of being a, a you know, a petulant jackass. Yeah, and the, also like, what play did Ruedo have room? Like, I don't see the play that's being referenced. Nobody does, and I, I, I guess I, I don't care about the comment at all. No, oh, I reckon it's brilliant, but the fact that it comes out trying to burn. Malkin, like it's second best player. Like yeah, players like are just... fucking Sullivan over. Yeah, well, maybe Malkin's just sick of fucking playing with the worst pairing. Yep, I, I. You I don't think no he notices doubt. that Sid gets Latang every goddamn shift, and he's got to scrape with what was left. Yeah, and everyone's like, oh, he's trying to do it all on his own. Well, it's because he has to. No one else can help skate it out. And... It's, yeah. I... He... He's not an idiot. He sees... I, I don't think he has a problem with Sid playing with Latang. I think the problem is, like, can you help me a little bit? Yeah, I need, I need, some, I need some resources here. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's a problem between the people that matter in regards to you know Sid, Gino, Latang. I don't think there's an issue with that dy- part of the dynamic of the team. Um, him and Phil quite clearly enjoy each other as well, so I don't think there's any issue there. I, I literally think his his problem is exactly that. He knows he's not getting resources for him to be the best he can be, and I think any professional athlete will get frustrated with that from time to and time. Honestly, and honestly, why? Chad Ruido, what did he play like three games? What, what what film is this from? Yeah, it's from early in the year. It has to be like Bluey Shoulder halfway played. through the year. So you know, and Chad's not exactly like a great defenseman. So there probably are things that he could have done better. Yeah, no, and, it's, it's... and don't get me wrong, there are things Melkin he cheats out there at times, and it's that, part and of that what makes was... him great is the cheating because great players can anticipate and take their chances. So I don't want this cheating to be a completely negative connotation. You can get burned cheating. 
And it happens. And it costs the Penguins goals at times. But you're going to come out on the right end of the, the ledger when you're talking about Malkin making the choices to cheat and what he can do when he gets that space. So... Yeah, you know. it's, and I think I think the cheating thing you're talking about. I think if I remember the the context of that whole piece that started this, it was to do with the fact that they'd blown the zone, like all three forwards had blown the zone, and that's what Sullivan was asking. What can Ruedel do in this situation? And that's when Malcolm said, "Skated out. He's in the NHL." I mean, you know, if you if you were. Uh, you know, compiling up defensemen with skating skill, I think that would be a legit answer. And that's a reason that's so damning that you got all these slow-footed, not very smart defenders that are very limited playing with these type of forwards. Because they can't create their own time and space. They need the forwards. And and that means the Penguins can't... um, cheat and and put the fear on to the other team because a lot of that, what was um successful in 2015-16 they struck fear with their speed because they did cheat remember all the alley oops they used to do yep they cheated because the defensemen were able to move the puck up even ben lovejoy um is a step up from and and we considered that like a really bad move but you know, relative to what we got now. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Ben Lovejoy now is done, but, you know, three years ago, it's better than yeah. Jack Johnson, better than Good Branson. Mm. And the whole not being able to get through the neutral zone versus the Islanders, that was a major factor in it. If you have a look at how many times the forwards had to try and do everything themselves through the neutral zone and you you see it on twitter and you could hear it in the in the venue the fans getting disgruntled and angry at the fact that you know sid tried to skate his way through so did kessel so did gensel and malkin you you, you sit there and look at it and they're like just dump it in it's like well you can't you've got no speed to catch up to a soft dump anyway so and the the defenders aren't skating back hard because they know they don't have to worry about the dump. So, very yeah. frustrating. They were um, they were out coached, and you know that's that's three years in a row for Trotz over Sullivan, because even the year they won the cup, they they got pounded in round yep. two against the Capitals, and Flurry was amazing. Uh, yep. That was and... that was Fleury's parting gift to the Penguins, and what a great one it was! <laughs> yes, <laughs> I just yeah, Sullivan's not the invincible guy that everybody wants to. Shit, we he spent is. a good twenty-five minutes shitting on Mike Babcock. I think we'll hand out criticism to Mike Sullivan. Yeah, um, and and yeah, Trotz does deserve credit. He knows what the skill sets that he's got with his teams and. Um, manages to to get the most out of them, um, but he's very good at negating the best parts of a roster that he he's a, playing against. He had a good game plan for who his team was, and I don't think Mike Sullivan did. For I don't who think his Mike Sullivan. I don't think Mike Sullivan really knows what his team is. 
like they're, they're schizophrenic in the sense that they've got lots of really fast moving parts, but they've got really slow moving parts as well. And there's no, there's no connect there anymore. Like once you get past that first pairing, that they can keep up with with the quality. I think it's hard to coach that because you're asking for every other, for the other two pairs, you're asking all of your forwards to come back deeper in the zone, which for a team that needs to skate and fly makes that so much harder to do. And it would, it wouldn't be easy to, would not be easy to coach, but he should have been better at adjusting to what he had on the ice from trots. And he did none of that. It was very Bilesma-like. What Trotz put out there was smart for his team, but there's also counters, and they just weren't willing or able to even attempt them. And I talked about what those were, a hard rim when you got uh, double pressure. And to beat a trap, you need your defenseman to skate it up and draw a guy to you eventually near the neutral zone to free up a forward uh, of some sort. And they... And want to do it. Didn't want to do it. So no, it it'll be interesting. It, they don't have a lot of yeah. cap space. As I was looking, that Jeff Skinner idea might uh, actually be pretty fucking stupid on my part because I thought they had a little bit going there. Um, I think they're already negative cap space for next year. Oh, really? With Gensel's extension. Oh, okay. So they're gonna have to move. I mean, Mata's gone, which I w- I've always been fine with, but not in this. Like, because you did good Branson and Johnson is why you're moving them. Yeah, you're selling low yeah, as you're, well. You're, I, now, don't get me wrong. I'm sure Jason Botter will give a draft pick, and that might not be a bad idea for the Sabres. So. Well, you just stick him next to Darlene and... Watch him. Well, that's two lefties. They gotta find a good right-handed defenseman. Um, honestly, if I were the Sabers, I'd be all over the Subban rumors or Truba, who's up for as an RFA. Um, there are there are players, like you said, there are players out there that Gardner. Can I know he's a left, but yeah, Buffalo. There are options to get aggressive and get a defenseman, and you can. Um, probably get Connor mcdavid for ristolainen so there's always that <laughs> uh, shirelli's gone yeah but keith gretzky mm-hmm. we'll see um oh i know what i was gonna say um because i wrote about it the other day uh you know lower on the end of what needs to be fixed for the penguins is is the fourth line Matt Cullen and Garrett Wilson, like that's such a departure from having four functional lines. And Cullen's probably going to retire. And so that, that even helps if he themselves. doesn't retire, his contract's up. So that would be another self-inflicted mistake because he's shot. Yeah, but it's believable that it'll happen. That's the the issue with that. I think he'll retire. But um, Garrett Wilson, great. You you can come up for injuries from Wilkes Bear and. So be it. But to play, he played in so many games. It was crazy. And he's Once again, just I, there. I think there's a disconnect between the coach and the general manager. 
But I'm watching um, Toronto, and and I mentioned Ennis, and he's he may have priced himself out of that cheap four or uh, fourth line money, but maybe yeah. not. You know, you maybe maybe you give him a little bit of a raise, like 1.25, 1.5 mil. Um, in a normal off season, you could do that, but um, that bottom pairing is coming. This is what's so damning about the bottom pairing is you can't even give a fourth liner 1.5 million right now. Yeah, which you know you and I often say is a bit of an overpay for that particular spot because you should be able to get that role. Yeah, but if you're filled. talking about having a competent guy that can skate and handle the puck like Ennis, yeah, that like Ennis and... is the kind of fourth liner that I want to shift towards. But he's somebody that can go up to your third line if there's an injury. Like, you need that flexibility. Um, Another player that I think will price himself out, but I'd be really curious to see if he's one of the... You know, every year there's a guy that slips through the cracks and you're like, what's the deal here? And Jason Pominville would be uh, one of those players that I would um, keep an eye on. There was a big deal made about how... Um, he scored, and I think the last Sabers game, and they thought it, it. Fans gave him a huge ovation because they thought that was it for him. Um, yeah, he's coming off a five point whatever million dollar contract. It all depends how how many teams value him as a third liner. I think he might have a little bit left, and um, you know I'm not saying for certainty that that he will be an option at that price point, but definitely. You know, you 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 highlight players heading into the off season of, hey, maybe if uh, this guy falls, this would be an option. And when they fall, you got to get on it. Yeah, you kind of can't wait. But Pominville being another one of those guys, he played with Eichel a lot. He shouldn't be playing consistently in a top six role anymore, but he did, and he had over a 2.0 points per 60, which is great. And well, at least it means he can ride the coattails. You know, it's one thing you to know, play up the lineup. Placeholder. Yeah. So. But um, if you're going to play up the lineup, you need to produce. It was probably one of the biggest problems with Brian Rust this year is the volume of time he got up the lineup. Yeah, he just doesn't facilitate well for Sid and Gensel. Love the speed, love the zone entries, love the effort. Um, don't hate him as a player, but when you're, you're talking about being on the top line... Uh, when he's not on the top line, it creates a goofy situation. It's another reason to to move Hornquist because, you know, if he's not playing there, you're talking about a fourth line, or you're talking about Hornquist on the fourth line, which is yeah. stupid. Yes, it is. Yeah, I'd, I'd be working to get rid of Hornquist's contract. I, I know, listeners, it comes as a shock that I would say that, but. Um, it looks bad now. He, he looked terrible. Even the beat writers are before. questioning it now, and that's all you really need to know. Yeah. Where's... Shit, I even think some of them are questioning Jack Johnson. Well, we know something's definitely happened there, don't we? I mean, what a bunch of fucking... Some of them are such clowns. I don't know why anybody would... Like, getting quotes and, and the pulse of the team, like, that's all valuable stuff. Like, to do the things I do... Uh, I do rely on the beat writers' uh, information at times, but like some of the um, when they wade into the analysis is just oh my gosh. 
It's either they don't yeah. know what the fuck they're talking about, <laughs> or they're just doing Jim Rutherford's bidding. And I, frankly, I think it's both. <laughs> yeah. Um. So. I'm just looking through, like, you look through his contract, and it's like he's got a no trade clause. Who's that? Hornquist. So I know his name's come up in regards to we need to move him, we need to move him. So the only place he's going to move to would be another contender. He's not going to go and play somewhere that's that's not looking at a cup. So you have to ask him to waive it and then find somewhere to move him. There are and ways only... you could just be like, listen, you're gonna you're not playing with Sitter Gino anymore. You're not on the first power play. Sometimes that's enough to motivate. Yeah, well, well, we'll see. I mean, fingers crossed that that works out that way, but I just don't know. <laughs> and uh, lastly, you notice that uh, we haven't uh, talked at all about Latang being traded because it's fucking stupid. Has that uh, like has that actually come up? Yeah, has people come up actually? Quite a bit. Really? Of course it has. Everybody loves blaming him because he pinched and he gave up that goal, even though it was the F3's fault. If anybody, oh, my, I love, love, love hearing about systems, the coach's system, system, system. Nobody knows what the hell they're talking about half the time because if you knew what the hell the Penguin system was, they are always pinching in their D to keep plays alive with their F3 high filling in. Or filling back. And for whatever reason, Bugstad and another Penguin, I don't know who it was, on one of the plays, Latang pinched, he missed it, or he got it. He did get it, and, and it got poked away. He unfortunately held on to it a second too long before he shot it down to the corner. The Islander made a really nice play and poked it away, and off they went. The F3 didn't fill back. And... What pissed me off the most about blaming Latang there wasn't that the criticism of, hey, don't get it poked away, because that, that's obvious. He shouldn't have got it poked away. It's the ignoring the only reason they scored the first goal of the game was Latang pinched and kept it in, and you'll see the third forward high on that sequence where he should have been. You, If you know anything about systems and you're actually paying attention to it, it's the same goddamn play but executed differently. I don't know what to say. You know, he's. I think he's in the top five, if, if not top five, top ten at his position in the league. And, you know, he's the reason that they go. He's one of the reasons that Sid and Gensel play so well. It, it's perfectly clear. When Gino gets to play with him, Gino looks fantastic as well. So, you know, what are you supposed to do there? Keep him. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ. Sorry. Capitals? Yeah. Yeah, Capitals game seven's on. Carolina scored shorthanded to make it 2-1. And, uh, oh, look at that. Flat-footed F3. Chipped out, three-on-one. Haglin, Kuznetsov, 3-1. Boom. And then you just, it's funny. You see three Carolina guys run into each other trying to catch up. And what are you going to do there? Kuznetsov from the circle. It did look clownish. Uh, great shot, though. Um, I was. Like, what are you supposed to do there? If you good for Carolina with... for making it a series, though. Um, 
moving forward for them that's they they needed I, I hate using the word momentum but that's a franchise that needed to carry some positive vibes into an off season. Game's not yeah. over. We've seen some crazy shit. What? Crazy? No. Um, and we got Justin Williams, Mr. Game 7, so you, you, you never know. Um, <laughs> so that, that'll that be interesting. Um, winner faces the Islanders. So God, They've got to sit for so long. Like, if they had anybody that was struggling due to being hurt, you know, <laughs> a week and a bit off, brilliant. It is tough to lose game speed, though. Yes, no, 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 and it, it is something that every, like, this this sport and basketball, they all say the same thing. Sometimes the, the, the time off isn't great, but um, this isn't a podcast that usually compliments John Tortorella, but they had an open, full-contact scrimmage uh, open to the fans because they've been off so long, and I think yeah. that's, that was actually pretty wise to to get that going, and pretty cool to let the fans in on it um i I thought good job all around uh for the blue jackets for doing something simple like that uh you 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 need that game speed you can't fake it even a scrimmage isn't quite game game speed because you're not gonna you know destroy dubinsky i would think wouldn't fucking run panarin over (laughs) well (laughs) um you know what i mean though it's still good to to get that competitive juices going in a in a full-out scrimmage it's not in a practice setting. It's kind of, it, the fans are there, uh, excitement heading into round two. So that was well played by John Tortorella for that. So, um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think there's anything else. No, I, I, I think I've managed to anger out myself, which is good. All right. Um, just to recap, we have Tampa Bay playing Calgary and Boston playing Vegas, and I will have that on Twitter. You can vote to see who makes our top seeds pick their opponent's Stanley Cup final. Um, so that will be ready for the next podcast, and we'll, of course, be recapping in uh, the next podcast all the all the fun stuff from round two. Uh I gotta say, I did a really bad job picking round one. I got nothing right, I don't think. I think I got anything right. <laughs> a lot of people went down in... Uh... I can't remember if I took Vegas or San Jose. I think I, It's funny, I've seen a few tweets where people are like, if Washington lose today, they're 0 for 8. And I'm like, I think I'd be the same. Obviously, I got Pittsburgh wrong. I picked Boston, even though I wanted Toronto to win. So there's did there's did one. Did anybody pick Columbus besides Columbus fans? I mean, why would you? No, I know. It's just one of those. It happened, but like, how do you get to that point before the series? Yeah. Well, I I can't see. Well, actually, I could see Mike Smith being the reason that Carol uh, that Calgary lost, but that's not why they lost. Like, that's a. I'm really curious to see what goes on out west with that. You know, franchise. I went with the Nashville Winnipeg thing, um, even though neither team was really playing well. It was kind of just one of those. I like a lot of the top end players, and yeah. um, Dallas and St. Louis just 
you know, did a good job. So I missed on those two as well. So, oh well, been a been a rough year for uh, for the picking for a lot of people, I think. So, yeah. Although Washington, I have Washington. Who cares? Honestly. <laughs> so, um, leave a review for iTunes. Uh, Gunnerstall Hockey underscore Hertz while she's sixty six, and uh, Facebook I'll have something on there as well. So, um, we will see you next time, and thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Bye. <laughs>